What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. She's Emma Houghton. I'm Pat Zhang. Emma is not available tonight, so you've got just me yet again. It's becoming a little bit of a trend here that uh, Emma's missing these next episodes after brutal late night losses for Villanova. We'll have we'll have to keep an eye on that. I'm just kidding, of course. She's just not around tonight. Um, but as we know, another rough one for the Cats. Villanova did fall 73-64 to on the road to Marquette to fall to 10-12 and on the season. And overall theme coming out of this game for me is just deja vu. 10 of Villanova's 12 losses this season have come by single digits. Uh, there has been a consistent inability to close out games when Villanova is either ahead late or in a close game late. Seemingly every single time this season, they have found a way to lose that game rather than rather than find things clicking on all cylinders down the stretch and really get past and close out opponents. It has happened a couple of times to their credit this season. Uh, of course, you know, the the big one being against Oklahoma in which they found a way to to close through that game. I think unfortunately you saw it against Georgetown uh on Martin Luther King Day though they should never have been in that position anyway and against St. John's to their credit they actually clawed themselves back and then held on. But in every other instance this season Villanova has not found a way to win games and win games on the margins. And that's something we've become so used to seeing from this program. And I think that's what leads into a lot of overall frustration for this team as well. I see deja vu and that the offense down the stretch was abysmal yet again. Villanova had 61 points with six minutes left in this game. They finished the game with 64 points. That is very obviously not good enough to score three points in the final six minutes on the road when you have a chance to get your first quad one win, your first real quality win against a team that certainly looked vulnerable on Wednesday night. Now, why did that happen down the the final six minutes? It's, It's a curious case because I actually felt like, especially in the first half, we saw a sort of a return to Villanova basketball and that the ball movement was crisp. They were finding open guys around the three-point line. There were extra passes made. Overall, things felt much cleaner on offense. Fast forward to the final six minutes of the game, and I think your mind just goes to the possession where Villanova tried to get the ball to Caleb Daniels. Marquette denied ball on him, and what happened? Nova basically just ran around the three-point line and and chucked up a brick, uh, a mid-range brick. That's not good enough. Uh, You think about the time where, again, they just dribble around the three-point line, get it to Eric Dixon, a a double comes, and he's got to put up a tough shot, uh, or he tries to put up a tough shot and instead falls over and and ends up traveling there because he's put in a really difficult position. It felt like that continued to show up down the stretch. I'm not sure what the answer is for why this team seems to dry up offensively as we get closer to the end of games. We've seen it multiple times this year. You're hoping that the addition of a guy like Justin Moore would mitigate those circumstances. However, what we've seen from Moore, while it is fantastic to have him back on the floor and just a huge boost for all of Villanova and for him, just to come out, come back from this Achilles injury, the rust 
is most certainly there and it is most certainly apparent for Justin. He played 33 minutes. That's huge coming back from such a difficult injury to return from, but just two of nine shooting two of seven from three. A lot of his threes are a little short. So I still think he's trying to find a way to get those legs under him in that game shape. Kind of what we discussed a little bit on Tuesday missed layups for him, which never happens when Justin Moore is fully healthy and fully in a groove. Again, I don't think it's that Justin Moore is any less of a player. I think it's that the guy hadn't played before Sunday on, what, 309 days, has only been practicing with the team fully for uh, just over a month at this point and is still working his way back. So while it's a huge boost to have him in there and while I think he will help them down the stretch of games, this isn't prime Justin Moore, fully healthy Justin Moore that we had seen over the past couple of seasons just yet. And this team needs that type of player to be able to take over because what we've seen thus far this season with the personnel, the personnel does not fit the ability to close those out. We saw deja vu in that the second half defense was incredibly messy yet again. This has become my least favorite trend to discuss on what feels like a weekly basis at this point but Villanova allowed 39 points in the second half that joins a very long line of second half defensive failures that we've seen just recently 42 points allowed in the second half against Providence 40 against Georgetown 40 against Butler 45 against DePaul 53 against Xavier that's just really in January that we have seen All of those defensive performances where teams have been able to score 40 or more points in the second half here against the Cats. 39 for Marquette, not 40, still not good. The only one that you would point out as positive was that they allowed 21 points against St. John's in that win at Madison Square Garden. However, I'm not sure anyone would mistake that game for an offensive clinic on either side. What's so frustrating about the fact that they continue to give up these massive hauls in the second half is that you would think that going into halftime, you know, you've seen things, you've seen how the other, your opponent is attempting to attack you and we'll make some adjustments and we'll come out better and, you know, try and get into a groove and and formulate a game plan off of it. It does not feel like that has been the case that we've seen thus far this season. And I think that is a real gripe you can have with the coaching staff and with Kyle Neptune. I don't want to make this about a a Kyle Neptune episode. I've made my uh, stance on him rather clear that I think the guy deserves time. I think you can absolutely have criticism with him. I think there also has to be an understanding that he is a second year head coach, a first year head coach here going through a massive transition with the program, a total changeover in talent, Uh, and personnel here and you have to factor all of that into your grading scale your patience scale and kind of your timeline scale when you think of him however I do not think that he gets a pass on how the defense has looked in the second half of games and we saw it yet again here against Marquette let's continue with this fun deja vu trend where this is a team that hasn't been able to win on the road this season The best road win for your Villanova Wildcats right now, that is St. John's at Madison Square Garden. And of course, at MSG on a Friday night, we know that much of Nova Nation is able to travel and be there for that game. The other road wins for Villanova this season, you may ask, St. Joe's and Georgetown. That's it. And I think that's incredibly concerning. Now, it is difficult to win games 
on the road. It is even more difficult to win games on the road in the Big East. But it goes into this narrative that is really built up and it's been built up for a reason that this team hasn't been able to get it done when the opportunities have presented themselves. And again, Wednesday night was most certainly an opportunity to take a really important scalp from Marquette. Along those similar lines, you know, the, the team just it it has struggled to find its signature win. Uh, Oklahoma remains the win for this team. And it's not that Oklahoma is a bad win because it is a rather solid win for them. I mean, they're 12 and 10. It's not a great team by any stretch. Really appreciated them destroying Alabama 93 to 69 over the weekend. But Oklahoma most likely will not be an NCAA tournament team unless they go on some sort of run in the Big 12. Very similar to how Villanova is positioned in the Big East here. It's a nice win. It was an important win when it happened with Cam Whitmore coming back. But otherwise, Villanova's 0 for 7 against Michigan State, Iowa State, and then kind of the, the cream of the Big East that they've played thus far this season. And all of that, all of those different things that we just went through there lead into why deja vu is the theme and why I think frustration is it's really there for this team uh, at at this point. I would love to come out and, and be more positive with it. I felt pretty good coming out of that PC game on Sunday where I thought Villanova did a lot of things. Well, it was just more riding the feeling that Justin Moore was back and let's see what this team can build on. And I still believe that it just, you wanted to see some progress toward it. And you know, that Wednesday night just feels like another missed opportunity there. Now I think this team can continue to build on that. I do not believe that this weekend is going to be the place to do it when they take on Creighton on the road, more on that in a little bit. But once they are able to get past Creighton here on Saturday, Villanova then goes into a three-game stretch, a three-game home stretch of DePaul, Seton Hall, and Butler. That is where they are going to have to start building their foundation. They are going to have to start trying to find any sort of momentum to find what works and to try and propel them forward. I have not seen anything to make myself believe that they have the ability to go on this magical run at the Big East Tournament. But if they're going to build the momentum to do it, that's going to be the time to start putting it together. Looking at the first half, uh, I was really impressed with what transpired in the first half. I mean, taking in all things considered, Cam Whitmore had just about no impact with the two quick fouls. Uh, Brandon Slater and Eric Dixon both picked up foul trouble. And what happens? You know, the team goes out there and shoots 58% as a team and 54% from three. That is... <laughs> those shooting numbers are not what we have seen at all from Villanova this season. We've talked about that many times, how, how much this team has struggled um, shooting the basketball, especially from three. They shoot 34% from beyond the arc. That's good for about 200th in the country. So when you clock in at 54% from beyond the arc and you make seven threes with one of your most talented players on the bench and two of your key starters, I think you feel pretty good about it. But what happens even with that, even with that really feel good half, Villanova only goes in up one at halftime. And and you know how good Marquette is and that they are going to come out. And you talk about coaches that make adjustments. I could talk to you all day about how great of a coach I think Shaka Smart is. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Marquette scored more points in the second half than they did in the first. And they allowed fewer points in the second half than they did in the first. 
Then we add in the second half to our, our shooting statistics here. And you look at it and you say, well, Villanova shot 47% from the field and 41% from three. Both of those are well above this team's season average. How the heck do they not only lose this game, but finish with just 64 points? And it's actually a quite simple uh, explanation to that. And that is that they only shot 44 field goal attempts. Now, if you're looking for some sort of comparison, uh, Marquette in this game shot 52. And then if we look at Villanova's last couple games, they had 56 attempts against Providence, 52 against St. John's, and 47 against Georgetown. You may think, well, the Georgetown game is very close there. It's only three more. Yes, you are correct. However, Villanova shot 31 free throw attempts, which way more than makes up for the uh, smaller amount of field goal attempts there. So how does Villanova score just 64 points on 44 field goal attempts? That would be, as we all know, 19 turnovers, a new season high for Villanova, eclipsing their 18 that they had uh, hit twice this season and those other games with 18 turnovers where Iowa State as well as Connecticut. And most damning for me of the 19 turnovers were that nine of them came from your leaders in Caleb Daniels and Eric Dixon, five from Caleb and four from Eric. Those are guys that are absolutely relied upon. And for a team that we know can struggle to get into an offensive groove, once you turn the ball over and you limit your possessions or you limit your field goal attempts, it, this team has not shown the ability to be able to overcome that in, in games this season. And this is a perfect example of it because any other game, you tell me Villanova shoots 48%, 41%. I'm going to feel pretty good about it, just understanding how this team has been as a whole this season. But factor in those 19 turnovers, it was way too much uh, for, for this team to overcome. If you look at things on the positive side, uh, Marquette is averaging about 83 points per game this year and Villanova held them to 73 it was a fine offensive game for Marquette, 42% from the field, 37% from three. They got to the line 25 times to Villanova's 13, which, of course, is a huge deal uh, for them. Uh, if you're looking for a game over game changes between Villanova and Marquette, Tyler Kolek played a much larger role here for the Golden Eagles uh, than he did on New Year's Eve. 20 points for Kolak on Wednesday night compared to just four the last time Villanova saw him out on the floor. I don't need to wax poetic about Tyler Kolak anymore here. I know over the last couple episodes, he's come up a couple times. I just mentioned everything that he does for this Marquette team. He's a real floor general for them. You know, he has the ability to, to be a very strong rebounder. We know he's the best passer in the conference and what happens to, he can throw in 20 points here. It was nice to see Stevie Mitchell, not light up Villanova this time, the Reading Pennsylvania native, like he did at the Finneran pavilion, just eight, but Cam Jones helped make up for that with 18 as he continues to be an absolute stud, even though shooting wise wasn't his best night, but doesn't really matter when you're as talented as Cam Jones is. And then we switch things over to the Villanova side, really, for that player focus. There aren't too many guys that I think deserve a player focus after this one. Uh, three ones in particular, I want to mention. Brandon Slater, I thought, did a very solid job doing the little things here tonight. And it's those little things that very often in years past have helped Villanova come to wins. But that, of course, wasn't the case here on Wednesday, I thought he was very well in his defensive sets. His switching was the best out of anyone out there 
for Villanova uh, on the night. His box outs in particular were outstanding. The amount of times that either he went up and was able to get a rebound, he finished with a team leading eight, or he was able to take his guy out of the play and allow for someone else to come up for a rebound for, for Villanova was uh, numerous. I, I can't even begin to count how many there were. I just kept on watching it. He did a great job. Um, I think the refereeing did play a pretty large part in this game. Um, I know I know I usually don't like to talk about it. I don't think it was particularly good what we saw. And I was actually surprised with how this game was called that they let Slater get away with as much as they did underneath the basket. But hey, to his credit, they weren't calling it. He kept on doing it. And, and I do think it really helped Villanova, you know, win this rebounding battle 30 to 26. Already talked about Justin Moore, uh, but just the, again to to reiterate here how important I do think it is for him to be out there on the floor and how important it is for him to be playing 33 minutes just this second game post Achilles tear uh, is going to take some time for for Justin to get back to the Justin that we've seen if he gets back to the Justin we have seen in the past. It may take more time than just this season for that understanding the severity uh, of what he's gone through here. But uh, again, that that's what. March or that's what February excuse me is going to mostly be about for Villanova is trying to get this guy up to speed with his new teammates and with his own leg to to get in a place where he feels comfortable as we head into March and lastly uh, I, I think it's impossible to uh, to talk about this game actually without touching on this one Brendan Hawson played 18 minutes for Villanova and and had 12 points on, on three made threes here that's a really good sign for for Hawson to to be able to make that sort of impact in this game 18 minutes is really significant for him it is the second most minutes he has played this season the only game he played more than that was Oregon uh, over Thanksgiving weekend he has not played this many minutes really since Xavier he played 16 on January 7th here and his best scoring output since the 15 uh, that he had in that Oregon game as well. Uh, I thought defensively he held his own more often than not, which is often the issue with Hawson. I mean, the even the big breakdown that led to a Marquette three, I know Hawson was involved in that, but I, I believe that breakdown was Chris Archdiakono there over committing and bringing a double team and leaving a Marquette shooter open. I, I did not attribute that one to Hawson have to watch it again to, to see anything further, but that was at least my first interpretation of it. And I'm curious to see what his role continues to look like. Cause it felt like Neptune had went a little cold on getting him involved. And, and most of that was because of the defensive side of the ball. But as we saw again here against Marquette and the same uh, trend uh, against Providence, Villanova did not go to his zone. They, they stuck in man, even with Hawson out there, they stuck in man, which I mean, think back to even just a couple games ago, anytime Brandon Hawson took the floor, Villanova automatically changed to his own. So I, I I gave Kyle credit early in the season for giving the zone a try. Very clearly, he does not feel comfortable with the looks that this team is giving up when they do go to his own. Last two games, Justin Moore being back, of course, paramount in trying to sure things up defensively. Uh, he's felt more comfortable sticking in man. And even with Brendan going in there, he stayed with it. You know, he gives them a spark from three that they simply do not have. Otherwise, he had the most made threes on the team out here. We know that he's around or just over 40 percent for the season from beyond the arc, even though he, he's gone through some cold stretches towards the end of December and early January. So he has been one of the more intriguing players for Villanova all season long to see how he fits in this giant jigsaw puzzle. 
And it was a very promising night, at least for him, as we look to move forward there. And I lied because I'll give you one more uh, the, that I think is worth touching on. Uh, Cam Whitmore, it's gone into the the Cam Whitmore experience here. I am still a, a big fan of Cam Whitmore and appreciate all that he brings to Villanova and the, the different type of talent that he is. But, you know, the, this was, of course, a struggle. He was never able to get into this game and impacted. I believe he played about 13 or 14 minutes uh, in this game, picked up his fouls very early and very quickly Two fouls uh, early on in the first half, I believe about five minutes in sat for the remainder of the half came in uh, to start the second half, picked up that third foul, probably about three minutes in sat again, picked up another foul and finished with four, just five points for him too. really wasn't able to get in the game. And I think that's part of the frustration too, for, for Villanova fans here is that thinking, okay, Justin Moore's in Cam Whitmore's back. Let's go. Let's see how this offense is rolling. Well, when, one of those guys is not able to stay on the floor. Of course, offensive efficiency wise, you're just not going to be able to reach the heights that you're hoping to. And I think that was a big part of it. You know, he struggled with that. He was not the only one to struggle with that. Uh, you know, Eric Dixon, someone that we we haven't really touched on too much, though. He got his 14 points as he always does. Just he needs to sh- to tighten up that foul trouble. It, there are too many times where Eric Dixon picks up fouls around the three-point line, and he's such a talented and good player. Villanova needs him on the floor and cannot afford for him to keep picking those up. So I just hope that that gets worked out of his game because he is such a great player. But if we've seen a bit of a weakness from him there, it's that there can be some lapses and he can fall into some nickel dimers, as, as Raft would say. And for a team that's struggling to win margins, they need to get any advantage that they can have. I think that'll wrap it up for Marquette and Villanova here. Don't want to go too long. Um, and it's a solo show and it's about midnight right now anyway. So it's going to be a short, it's a recipe for a shorter one as is. So let's transition to a, a pretty quick look at Villanova's next game up here. They are taking on the Creighton Blue Jays in Omaha. Creighton currently sitting at 14 and eight and is on a five game winning streak at the moment. They have three biggies losses thus far this season, all on the road and all against quality opponents in Marquette, Connecticut and Xavier. Uh, If we look at the recent history of Villanova going out to play Creighton, uh, it's never a great place to be for sure for the cats though. There's a decent history in it Um, though. If we just think back a year ago, very bad uh, 79-59 loss, if you'll remember. That's what really sparked a tailspin on Villanova Twitter because that was on the back of the uh, very difficult Baylor loss. Um, but Villanova, of course, recovered just okay from that one. The year before that, also not very pretty, an 86-70 loss to Creighton. But in 2020, the Cats did win 64-59. Colin Gillespie was your leading scorer there with 24 points, and Creighton only made three three three-pointers. And if we go back even a year further, in 2019, the Cats also won that one, and Sadiq Bey was your leading scorer. As we look at Creighton, as I mentioned, it's never a good time to play Creighton in Omaha, but right now it certainly is not a good time to play Creighton in Omaha. Well, they labored to get past Georgetown tonight. That is now five wins in a row. And coming into tonight, not counting the Georgetown game, uh, they have been averaging 84 points per game over those last five. Their last home game, they blew away Xavier uh, as well uh, for their stand-up to cancer game where 
you know, X, I've talked about them. I, I, they're still my favorite in the Big East, and I think they're going to win the Big East tournament. So for Creighton to go out there and to really handle them pretty easily, 84 to 67, where there was a stretch, I believe it was the final 10 minutes of the first half where they completely ran away from them and just never let them back in it. That is really, really impressive, and it showcases a lot of the talent that is on this Creighton team. They sit at 10-1 and on the season at home with that one loss, actually being a shock loss to Nebraska in the middle of a six-game losing streak that seemed to put most of the country off Creighton, but as we know, they have most certainly bounced back. As we look at the Blue Jays roster for 22-23, we are going into February here, and this is the first time the Wildcats will face Creighton. Uh, There are a lot of familiar faces on this team. Uh, Sands, Ryan Hawkins, and Alex O'Connell, as both of those two have departed. But otherwise, Creighton brought back most of their talent. I mean, Trey Alexander, Ryan Kalkbrenner, Arthur Kaluma, Ryan Nemhard. All names that you are going to very well know and very well recognize as some top players in the conference. What else did they do? Uh, Received a lot of fanfare in the offseason. It's been a little up and down, though, much more up lately. Uh, Baylor Shireman came in from South Dakota State, real three-point assassin for them. And while he struggled at times this season, he is still their leading scorer right now. And while he is having a worse three-point season than he has over the last couple of years uh, at South Dakota State, that worst three-point shooting season still clocks him in at 40%, which is not too bad. I think Villanova would kill for another 40% three-point shooter on that roster. Uh, Ryan Kalkbrenner has been fantastic this season. Uh, he's missed a few games uh, through illness for them, but when he has been on the floor, he's been a stud and check that he is actually their leading scorer uh, at just over 15 points per game. Uh, what he does is he brings a, a phenomenal interior presence. He's a seven foot monster in the paint. He's got two over two and a half blocks per game. You know, Creighton runs a lot of offense through him. Uh, They have no problem, especially with more of their athletic guards like a Trey Alexander, like a Namhard to run, pick and roll and lob it to him rolling to the rim. Um, It's very entertaining to watch. They're a difficult team to guard. Uh, But what, what is interesting about this Creighton team is this is not your prototypical, stereotypical Creighton team from years past that just fly up and down the court, try and shoot as many times as they can and really not play great defense. This is a balanced Creighton team. This is a good defensive Creighton team. And this is a Creighton team that does not push tempo just to push tempo. They're actually more in the middle of the country coming at 127th in average tempo. So what does that mean? This is a a more controlled version of Greg McDermott's offense, which I I think shows some progression in the way that he coaches here. Um, They're very intelligent in their ball movement. As I said, you're going to see a ton of Ryan Kalkbrenner with how this offense is going to be initiated. Arthur Kaluma has made great strides for this team here in, in year two. He gives me huge Jermaine Samuels vibes if you're watching on Saturday, just for the length and versatility that that he is able to bring. Uh, and then we know kind of the explosiveness that come from guys like Alexander and Nemhard. I'm sticking to their starters here because... That's pretty much what Creighton is. They do not go deep. They are actually 347th in the country in bench minutes. This is a team that play that has five guys and mostly plays 
five guys. I mean, if you're looking at Villanova, we know that there have been many jokes made over the years about Nova not playing a, a bench under Jay Wright. Kyle Neptune, of course, has not adhered to that uh, as much. But just looking at this team, Nova is about is 279th in the country, again, compared to 347th in Creighton here. So you're going to see those five guys and you're going to see a lot of them. Key there, can you get one of them? Can you get two of them in foul trouble? I'd love to see it from Nova. We haven't seen it consistently enough kind of with that offensive approach. They haven't been around the basket as much. I'm hoping that changes here as we go into Saturday and understanding that McDermott wants to stick with the lineup that he loves so much. I think that'd be huge. And I do find there to be a talent disparity here between Creighton and Villanova right now. Way to make up for it. Get to that foul line and use that number one free throw percentage in the country for the second year in a row. Overall, again, a really tough ask. I mean, as far as road trips goes, at Marquette and at Creighton in the span of a couple days in this conference uh, is almost as difficult, if not as difficult, as it gets. Uh, You were really hoping, especially with how things presented themselves on Wednesday night, that Villanova would be able to steal one uh, in Wisconsin. I think going to Nebraska and, and... trying to or banking on pulling out a win there is even more difficult than this Marquette game. But, you know, as we saw, Villanova was able to hang with Marquette. They just weren't able to close things down. Does that theme change on Saturday night? That's what we'll all be watching for. I I would love to come on and talk to you guys on Tuesday and, uh, and not be saying deja vu. Let's uh, let's start setting a new trend here. So uh, very curious to see how the cats come out. You know, obviously another tough body blow here for them to drop this one on Wednesday night. A really, really good opponent on Saturday night. And yet again, another opportunity for the cats to pull off that quad one win we've all been waiting for. Before we wrap up, a couple questions came in from you guys. First off, appreciate everyone that sent in questions. I know the tweet went out really late because I waited until this game was over. Um And uh, we're really doing this late because, like I said, we are into the early hours of the morning here uh, as we record this. So appreciate you all sticking with me here. But from Captain Hammer, you know, how do you feel about benching a player like Cam for as long as he was in hopes of having him available late? This is a trend um, that goes past Kyle Neptune. I mean, if we think to Jay Wright, even Jay Wright was as adverse to fouls as it came. He very rarely played anyone that had two fouls uh, in the first half. You picked up that second foul kind of no matter when it came. There was a pretty good chance that you were going to sit the rest of that half. Uh, And I think we've seen Kyle Neptune follow that. uh, You might not say to a T, but but follow it rather closely. And in that Villanova ranks 236 in the country in, in two foul participation there. I think it is a difficult one because you want to strike a balance between it. I am for protecting your players and not wanting them to foul out of the game. But I also think you need to really work in understanding that you can foul a player out yourself if you just sit him on the bench for the entirety of the game. Now, when it comes to Whitmore, I'm okay with him sitting for a large portion of that first half because think about it. Villanova went into halftime with a one point lead. It, Neptune probably felt pretty good about sitting uh, Cam Whitmore for about 14 minutes of that first half and still having a lead there. Can you argue a little bit more in the second half? Yeah, I think you can, but this wasn't Cam's game uh, for it. He wasn't able to get into a rhythm. He kept finding ways to to foul uh, Marquette there. So 
But if I had to go with my gut, protect your player, but don't coach to lose. Ryan asked a question around Neptune and, and timeouts. I It's something that we've seen multiple times this season where I think Kyle has shown that it is more in his style to allow for the game to continue to flow rather than to try and break it up through a timeout. I personally do not agree with that philosophy. I, I think it's important to be able to regroup with, with your squad, and especially when things are going wrong, find ways to cut momentum, regroup, and, and reground yourself and be able to talk with it. But Neptune very clearly sees uh, sees a, a positive in continuing to let a game flow out and, and seeing these guys work through it. I think that signifies a trust um, in his players, which is a very good thing. But it is something that I wonder if we'll see that start to change, especially as he gets a little bit more experience under his belt. Tom Gallo asked a question, and, and we addressed most of it, so I'll, I'll go through it really quickly. But talking about we've had trouble extending leads even when we've played well, you know, what, what really goes into it there? I, I really think a lot of that just comes down to the the team that that we have and the personnel. It, this is not the past couple years Villanova team um, and in in many ways uh, as we have discussed so it's just it's not going to act as the Villanova team we've been so used to seeing uh throughout the past couple of seasons here and then we finish up with our man Jerry Quinn coming in with the questions questions one and two from Jerry I, I think have mostly been answered here with closing out games and, and what happened for our foot to come off the gas so we'll finish up with the last question from him and it makes me smile uh, are you mentally prepared to play on Wednesday night in the Big East tournament in Madison Square Garden uh, Jerry I, I think I am the the more I've come to terms with it it's gonna be weird for, for Villanova, most likely to be on Wednesday night. I guess there's a possibility they can sneak in uh, on Thursday, but the team hasn't shown enough for me to think they're going to be able to get there. Uh, it's going to be very weird because I've scheduled my off time already for Thursday and Friday, so I really hope Villanova is still playing by the time I can make it out to the garden or at least uh, the area for it. But I think it's something we're all uh, working to come to terms with here or have come to terms with. And it's more of a question of how long will Villanova be able to stick in this thing? Can they win on Wednesday night and at least give a little bit of hope to uh, to go into a big Thursday? And one last note before we do wrap up, uh, mentioned it on Tuesday, but super excited for it. So I want to mention it again. I will be on Villanova tip time on Saturday night. You can find that on Twitter uh, at Nova tip time. You'll also find it on his YouTube channel, uh, Villanova tip time uh, for, for a live stream pregame show. If you haven't checked it out before we, it's Chris Nataro who we had on a little earlier this season. Uh, I'm going to be on with Chris, Chris from the full 40, as well as Tommy from view hoops and road to the garden uh, as we do a little pregame show into this Villanova Creighton game. So if you didn't hear enough of a Creighton preview, there will be more uh, on Saturday night. Uh, super pumped to be a part of that with, with those guys. Those are three great guys. Uh, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and I hope you all turn in for it. But all right, that'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. Uh, be sure to follow the show on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter at S-O-N-N-Pod. Another tough one for the Cats, but another big opportunity awaits them on Saturday night. 
Everyone, I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the game on Saturday. And Nova Nation, that's a wrap.